you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody on the campus and those joining us online on this uh, special Valentine's Day. I hope that you were extra special uh, to your Valentine. Uh, If you got your Bible or turn on your Bible, join me in Matthew 26 this morning. Matthew chapter uh, 26. A.D. 269. That was the first Valentine's Day. A.D. 269, St. Valentine was beheaded. He was imprisoned because he was ministering to persecuted Christians and he was marrying Christian couples that wanted to be married. While he was imprisoned, his jailer had a daughter and she was blind. St. Valentine prayed for the jailer's daughter and she received her sight. On the day that St. Valentine was taken out for his execution, beheaded, he wrote a note to the jailer's daughter and signed it, Your Valentine. We've come a long ways since the first Valentine to today being about Hallmark and uh, chocolate and roses. I hope you got some of those today. But what I'm really hoping today in our Bible study is that we discover afresh and anew how much God really loves you. Not, not in kind of churchy way, not in a religious way, but like perhaps in a way that you've never experienced before. And I want to bring a message today that I've never, never brought before on a character in the Bible that I've never spoken about before. Arguably, we could probably say there's lots of people who've lost in life, a lot of Bible characters that lost in life. Uh, We know last weekend, right, there was a Super Bowl, and we know that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, won that Super Bowl, right? And and they are the winner. They didn't just kind of win it. They, hashtag all caps, won it. We now have Champ Town. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's that city in the middle of the country, Kansas City. So sorry, so sad. (laughs) You lost, right? You lost. We've all lost something, right? Maybe you've lost a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You lost a job. You, You lost your keys. You lost your phone, you lost your mind, right? You understand, we've all had things in life that we've, that we've lost along the way. But nobody, I don't think anybody in the galaxies ever lost like Judas Iscariot. I've never met anybody in my life. Now, I know I'm young, I'm only 55 and a half years old. But I'm telling you, in my entire life, I've never met anybody at a social gathering at a mixer, and I stuck out my hand and said, hi, my name is Mark. And they stuck out their hand and said, hi, my name is Judas Iscariot. (laughs) Mommies and daddies don't wake up and say, I can't wait for this baby boy to come, and we're going to name him Judas. I mean, that name has gone down in infamy as, as an epic failure. It's despised. And I don't think anybody's lost the way Judas 
lost. I mean, think about it for just a second. He lost the personal presence of Jesus. He was called one of the disciples, one of the apostles, and he lost the presence of Jesus. He lost the friendship of the other disciples and the other apostles. I mean, these guys who are world changers, who he was hanging out with for three years, he lost that, that friendship. He lost the privilege of stepping out into the world and sharing the hope of Christ. He lost the reward of heaven. Judas lost big time. Here, you got your Bible, right? Matthew chapter 26. Because Watch this. At the end of the day, it makes no difference what a guy named Mark says. Our opinions, all the things in life that we... At the end of the day, what does God's word says? And... And as much as I can lean into your life in the days in which we live, you want to know what God's word has to say. Look what it says in verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus says to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now notice verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, this isn't the main part of the message, but I do want to lean into this space for just a moment. In your mind's eye, would you think right now of something that's an injustice? Would you think of something that there, it's a problem in the world and somebody should do something about that? I want you to think in your mind's eye, what is something that you're like, that's wrong. That's wrong, and somebody needs to do something about that. Now, I realize you have lots of options in the world right now, but I want you to find your thing. What's that one thing that you're like, that, that's, oh, that's wrong, right? You got your thing in your mind's eye, right? You got that thing, right? Right? Somebody, if no one else is going to know, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to fix this thing. You got it in your mind? You got that thing? You got it right there? Come on now. What, what is that? Okay. Now, Judas Iscariot, in his mind's eye, what had just happened, this pouring of the expensive oil on Jesus, it was an injustice. This was wrong. Somebody should do something about this. This was a waste. We have all these poor people in our community, and we could be helping them. This is so wrong. And he left and he immediately went to take matters into his own hands. And let me just pause. Because I think for many of us, 
We see an injustice. We see something in the world that makes us so mad. Maybe it's a a person. Uh, Maybe it's a policy. Maybe it's something you saw on TV. There's just something in your soul, and you want to lean into that space, and you want to fix it. Let me just ask you a question before we get too critical on Judas. Uh, How's that working for you? Hey, how did it work for Judas? Rather than pivoting and saying, hey, listen, I don't understand this God of the universe. Will you help me understand this? I know you gave me somewhat of an explanation, but I need more. I'm telling you, a lot of the pain that you're experiencing, a lot of the stress, a lot of the physical anxieties that's inside of us is because we're in that same space as Judas Iscariot. We saw something, we heard something, we feel something, and we are so agitated, we're convinced we got to fix it. And if we're not careful, we'll lean into this space and we'll follow in the example of Jesus Iscariot. And what he did didn't turn out best. Turned out worse. Here, in verse 17, 18, and 19, Jesus gets all the disciples, gets everybody together for communion, which we're about to partake of this morning. Online, if you don't have communion supplies, keep listening, but get some crackers or some bread or some juice or some water and whatever. Um, And um, here's, here's what the Bible says in verse 20. Jesus reclining at the table with the 12, and while they were eating, he says, truly I tell you that one of you will betray me. They were very, very sad and began to say to him one after the other, sure, sure, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray him. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi, teacher. Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, in life, there's two ways of learning. Now, we could have a cup of coffee, and you might say, well, Mark, there's three ways or four ways. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I, I, but I think there's like two main ways of, of learning. One of the main ways of learning is, 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 is an area that I specialize in, and it's like um, uh, stupid moments. You know what I'm talking about? M- moments when I, like, I do the wrong thing, I say the wrong thing, and it's like, oh my goodness, and then I learn from it. I like to say, in the positive way, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn, right? But we all fail forward. Let's fail forward. Right? But, I, but that is one way, and, and I have specialized over my lifetime of, of learning from my own failures. Anybody with me? Maybe, right? You're kind of like one millisecond from stupid. Yeah, that's, that's like, that's me, right? There is a second way. And that second way is learning from others' failures. Not from an egotistical, narcissistic, not from a way that kind of says, I would never do that. No, from a place of humility. That I see someone else make a mistake, I make note of that, and I want to learn, I want to grow. I mean, I would rather, maybe I'm selfish, I would rather just learn and grow from your mistakes <laughs> and say, look what they did, I, I don't want to do that, so now I want to adjust my life, right? Rather than me walk through that pain personally. Judas Iscariot, 
makes a terrible decision. And this morning, I think there's some life lessons that we could apply to our own lives so that we don't walk in that example. And that's what I'd like to give to us. So if you got your number two pencil, let me just, let me just offer a few things to, to maybe grow us and develop us as we kind of lean towards having this communion moment together uh, this morning. Here, here's the first thing, if you're, if you're writing it down as this, is he refused to change. You heard Jason allude to that a little bit earlier. When we come to gatherings like this, right, it's not just a Judas thing. It can be an us thing where we come and we're around spirituality. We're around the Bible. We're around prayer. We're around uh, Jesus, but it doesn't change us. Judas was there when the deaf man heard for the first time. Judas was there when blind eyes saw. Judas was there when Lazarus, who was dead, became alive again. He saw it. He heard it. He tasted it. He was there at the feeding of the 5,000. The problem is he never believed it. See, what you believe changes you. And he's all around the story of Jesus. He's all around the miracles of Jesus, but he never changes. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, in other words, as a result of being around Jesus, a result of inviting Christ to come into your life, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. How many of us have been around Jesus? You've been around the, the great hymns of the faith. You've been around the worship songs. You're, you're around the Bible. You pray, you, but we're not changed. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation that heaven is populated by those people who have a new name that is written down in heaven. Yes, I have a name, Mark David Cummins. Yes, I was born the son of Edgar and Vi uh, Cummins. And, and yes, I've got all the baggage and all the pressures and all the problems of being an earthly son. But in 1986, when I met Jesus Christ and I began following Christ, there was a new name written down in heaven. It forever changed me. My life is now changed. Judas was around Jesus, but his life never changed. Look at Colossians 3, 9 and 11. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jew and non-Jew and religious and irreligious and insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. He was all around Jesus, but he never, ever was changed. Your greatest challenge in life is letting Jesus change you. Judas was around him. Christianity, Christ following, is about a better version of you. God created you. God sent his son to die for you. And now the whole story is, is us becoming that better version of who we are, becoming like Jesus on earth. Can I give you a second thing? 
Here's the second thing if you're writing things down. is number two is Judas wanted to give Jesus something, but not everything. He, he wasn't opposed with giving him something, but certainly let's not get overboard with this thing. Let's not be giving him everything. Matthew was an eyewitness to the account. I read it to you earlier about the pouring of the expensive perfume. John was there as well. So John chapter 12, he gives his account now. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used, to, uh, he used it to help himself of what he put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would have this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor amongst you, but you will not always have me. How many of us have uh, just a dab will do when it comes to Jesus? I just need a little bit. I don't, need, I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna overdo it. How many of us are sort of like the kid in school who says, hey, listen, I just need to pass, right? There, there's the summa cum laude, right? There's the magnum cum laude, and there's the thank the Lord. I just got out of here, right? It's kind of like, oh, all right. Hey, a D, hey, a D minus, you still get to go to the eighth grade, right? Kind of a deal. I wonder, amen is right, right? Some of us understand, right? right? It's like, what's the least amount that I got to pay? What's the least amount that I got to do? Hey, why pay full price when you can get God on sale? I mean, why would you go and pay full price for that in Publix when you can go over to the Walmart or the Aldi's and get the same thing for your whole? Hey, that might work in this world. But let me remind all of us that God paid full price when he sent his one and only son. You might get to heaven by the skin of your teeth, and I'm not sure that that's even biblical. I think there's a whole lot of people who want to think, well, I'm just going to get there by the skin of my teeth. As long as I just get up in there and I don't go to the hell place, I just get there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, let me just say something. If that's your mindset, now you know why you're a miserable human being. Now you know why you are the most critical person in your family. Because the most negative, bitter, resent-filled human being on the earth is the person who thinks they're getting to heaven by the skin of their teeth, but they have not surrendered all to Jesus. That old hymn, I surrender all, all to him. Somehow we've thought that, that following Jesus is this weekend sport, this weekend hobby. Judas had no problem giving Jesus something. He just didn't want to give Jesus everything. Hey, I'll give you a third thing. If you want to write it down, here's what it is. is, is we're just learning. Hey, listen, we're learning. We understand, not from a narcissistic, not from an arrogant, not from a prideful way. We're just looking at a guy named Judas Iscariot. There's nobody who wants to go down that path. There's none of us that want that for our children or our grandchildren. So we're just taking some notes this morning. We're just learning along, along the way. He refused to change. That's not so good. I need to change. He, was, he just wanted to give something. He didn't want to give everything. I want to give all uh, to Jesus. Here's something else. He, he called worship a waste. Remember in verse 8, it said, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. You know what worship is, right? 
And, and you know, everybody in this room is a rock star worshiper. I'm just telling you, everybody in this room, you got something or someone that you worship big time. Worship is nothing more than the declaration of worth. There was a whole lot of worshiping going on last Sunday night. Oh my, we're shutting out that Mahomes boy. He ain't scoring nothing on us. We got the goat. And did you see Gronk? Oh my goodness. When the parade happened this week, we had some worshiping going on. We had a little bit of alcohol and drinking going on too. But I'm just saying, everybody, everybody in this room, everybody walking, I mean, listen, we were, worship is the declaration of worth. The question is, who do you say is worth everyone, everything? He, he said, Jesus, Jesus, that's a waste. I can't believe it. We should have sold that. Luke 4 and 8, the Bible says, Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. I love Psalms 34, 9. I would encourage you to write it down. Take a picture uh, from Eugene, uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Hey, parents, I want you, who doesn't want the best for their kids, right? The best education, the best athletic experience, all the sacrifice that you do for your children. But if you really want your children, if you really want your grandchildren to have the best, worship. Worship is the declaration of every single day that God, you are worth, you are above all, you, you are best, you are more valuable in my life than anything. He called worship a waste. Let me give you a fourth thing. I've taught this to you so many times before, but I, I, I think, I, and I won't have time to dive completely into it, but, but I want to really hone in something that you've heard me say maybe almost every weekend, is this. As Judas Iscariot, he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus personally. He knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus personally. And, and, and like when I'm sitting by myself and I'm praying for us, when I think about my role and responsibility as a, as a pastor, as a spiritual coach, and stepping up and, and leaning into your life, I, I want you to know something. Um, it's not the pandemic that causes me the greatest worry. Now, don't get me wrong. The virus is real. Uh, don't let anybody tell you that the virus isn't real. Um, we're praying with the Church of the Springs, um, one of their assistant pastors, Keith Duncan, part of our community. Some of you went to high school uh, with Keith. You knew Keith. Uh, growing up, know his sister. Um, you know his wife, Deanne. You, you, there's, there's a lot of pain. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not the virus that causes me the, the greatest concern. It, it's not the politics. People get all upset and kind of, I mean, PMC, do you not see what they're doing? And look at how this is wrong and this is upset and all this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's not politics that gets me all worried and concerned. The thing that causes me the greatest concern and worry when I pray for us, when I pray for hope, when I pray for those in person and, and, and online, it's my concern of how many of us know about Jesus, but we don't know him personally. Let me see if I can teach this. So you're still in Matthew 26. Look at verse 22. So Jesus is like, Jesus is like, okay, one of you guys is going to betray me. They're all like, what, what, what? Not, what, not, not, not me, not me, right? I mean, you would, if you were at a meal with Jesus and he's saying, I'm, someone's going to betray me, you'd be like, not me. So watch, watch. Look at verse 22. They were really sad. And they began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. 
I mean, 11 times. No, 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 you don't mean me, Lord. I mean, surely you don't mean me, Lord. I mean, surely you don't mean me, Lord. I mean, surely not me. I mean, 11 of the boys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 surely I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna betray you. Surely you don't mean me. Now look at verse 25. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me. Did you see it? Rabbi? Some Bibles say teacher. There's a big difference between seeing Jesus as Lord and seeing Jesus as rabbi. You see, when you see Jesus as Lord, he is Lord over your life. He is supreme. He is the center of your life. He is the point of your life. You have declared it is all about him. He is the grid in which you see the world. He is the the grid of which you speak, how you spend your money, your time. When you say that he is Lord, you are saying with your lips and your life, he is over everything that I am. Because I know him personally. He's the sovereign God. He put the universe together. He's in control. I don't understand everything that's happened. I don't know why this happened in my family. I don't know why this has happened in my business. But one thing I do know is that my God is good. He's in control. I'm limping. I've got scars. I don't under, but he is my God. He is Lord. And then there's rabbi. There's teacher. Judas knew him as a teacher. There are a lot of times we come to a place like this, right? It's Sunday, and you're on campus, you join us online, and we sing songs that kind of give the impression he's Lord over us. We have the prayers, I'm teaching. We kind of, but, but, but on Sunday, he's Lord, but let's get honest. Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, he just teacher. He just rabbi. The way we talk about other people, the way we get so anxious and stressed about what's happening around us. The way we spend our time and spend our cash. There's a big difference. See, Judas knew about him. He knew that he was a rabbi. He knew that he was a good teacher. And I compliment you. I'm glad that you know that he's a good teacher. I'm glad that you know that he's a rabbi. But there's a big difference in living your life as Jesus as Lord over your life. Him just being a teacher, another voice in your life. Let me just, can I just show you one other thing right here to really help you see who your Savior is? Let me see if I can ask the, let me see if I can ask the question. Let's, let's lean into this space because I think, I think this, this has real value in 2021. From what you know about the story and from what I've read this morning, and this is not a trick question. Did Jesus know that it was Judas who would betray him? Yes or no? Yes. He, he, he knew that it would be Judas. All the way back when he called the 12 disciples, he knew then, even Judas, he even called him, not publicly, but the scripture says that he was a devil. He knew this about Judas. Now stay with me for a second. Here they are at the dinner table. He knows what Judas is going to do. Did Jesus expose Judas to the other disciples? No. 
He didn't. It's an amazing thought. First observation is this. God never gives up on the hope. Oh, God knows all things, but the Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises, but he wants all men and women to come under repentance. He's still holding out and hoping that that Judas would come to repentance. That'll encourage you if you've got somebody in your family or a friend who isn't following Jesus. God's not giving up on them. Don't you give up on them. Don't you give up on them. God hasn't given. God didn't give up on Judas. God won't give up on your relative. God won't give up on your spouse. God won't give up on your neighbors. God won't give up. But here's the second thing. Is he chose not to expose Judas. And this is so important because we live in a culture today. This cancel culture that someone texts something or says something when they were 17 or 18 or last week, and it's not politically, politically correct, and the whole culture blows up and wants to cancel that person out and say that person has no value, no worth. They are, they are awful. They should be fired from their job. They should be removed from society. I and mean, we have become to the point where we think if you don't think a certain way or write or post or speak a certain way, you should be completely canceled out. And that should not be how we're living as Christ followers. Because we follow Jesus who did not expose Judas when he knew what Jesus did. We follow the Savior of the second, third, fourth, eight millionth chance. We're the people that believe the redemption. That the people, when we make mistakes, God steps in and wants to restore us. There's a big difference about knowing about Jesus and knowing him personally. That's what the Bible says. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let me give you just, can I just give you one more? I'll give you one more and then we're going to partake of communion together. We're just learning. We're just learning this morning from a guy named Judas that he refused to change. He just said, I'm, I'm, I'm not. He, he was willing to give something, but he didn't want to give everything. To him, worship, ah, uh, it's not that important. I don't have to make him, you know, the highest worth in, in my life. He didn't know him personally. Here's the last thing that I think is really important for us to understand. So important. Judas, he didn't finish his assignment, and someone else was picked to finish it for him. I've heard it said that a career is how you make a living. We all have bills. But a calling is fulfilling the purpose that God created you for. And God has created you for a purpose. God created Judas for a purpose. The Bible says in Revelations 21 and 4, it's interesting, that after sin and death and the devil has all been cast into the lake of fire, Now forever we're going to be living with God in heaven. There is no more sin. There is no more death. There is no more evil. There is no more Satan, right? The Bible talks about 12 layers of heaven. And each one of those layers is named after the apostles. So you're going to be living somewhere. Maybe it'll be in the John level. Maybe it's the Matthew. Maybe, I don't know where, but you'll be living in one of them. One of those names was Judas Iscariot. But you understand they had to take a heavenly tool, and they had to scratch out Judas Iscariot's name. 
he didn't finish his assignment. He sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrays Jesus. He watches as he walks into that garden and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. The Roman soldiers come in and they grab Jesus. In his heart, he's probably feeling justified. He's got a pocket full of cash and the injustice of the world of Jesus and how he wasted that perfume. Finally, there's a sense of justice. Finally, what was wrong is being made right. Finally, all this internal stress and anxiety and frustration and irritation and agitation, finally, it's gonna be solved and I'm gonna be happy, happy, happy. Some of us are living there right now today because he watches them take Jesus away. They watch him, them, the the Romans do to Jesus what he wanted and immediately what he thought was going to satisfy him brought deep, deep dissatisfaction. He runs back to the temple and he says to the Pharisees, listen, I'm changing my mind. I I want to give the 30 pieces of silver back. I thought that if I could have this money, it would solve the internal conflict within me. And the very thing that he thought that would satisfy him destroyed him. That very thing that you think in that relationship outside your marriage that's going to satisfy you will end up destroying you. That very glass, that very pill, that, that thing that you think that posting and making that person feel less than human about, the very thing that you think that you're going to do outside there is going to bring internal satisfaction will show up and will destroy you. Because the dissatisfaction that you feel right now, it is not solved by external circumstances. It's solved when we do the opposite of Judas. We invite the presence of Almighty God to come and bring healing from what happened when you were a child. From what happened at the last workplace. What happened from a neighbor. What happened when it was posted. The hurts and the pains of life are so real. The question is, who or what will you look to to bring satisfaction. Judas's pain was real. He thought it was an injustice. He took matters into his own hands, but it cost him everything. He did not finish his course. How many of us are in the same space? Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, Jesus has resurrected. Jesus has gone back to heaven, and now it's time to pick someone to replace Judas. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two. They had picked out two different guys to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And the guy named Matthias was chosen and replaced him. If you don't finish your assignment, someone else will. That's why when Paul's writing to a young man named Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It is so easy to start something. That's not the challenge. We know that. It's the middle of February. Many of us started something the beginning in January, and it's already eluded us. It's finishing the course. Starting in marriage, starting in a job, starting in a nutrition plan, whatever it's starting, 
Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Judas Iscariot, going down in infamy as the greatest loser at all time. Not one of us has to follow that because we can be changed this morning. If you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to let Jesus change you today. I want to ask Tommy to come and play some music for us. If you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, right where you're sitting, joining me online, Judas decided to be around Jesus but not to allow Jesus to change him. Is that your story? Are you all around the story but you've not let the story of Jesus, the presence and the promise and the person of Jesus to change you? Right where you're sitting, would you have this conversation with God? Hey, God, it's me. And right now, I'm asking you to save me. I can't save me. I've been going through the motions. But I'm really not changed. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new person. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Is that true for you? God, I believe that you sent your son and he died on the cross and became alive three days later. I ask you to save me. If you've prayed that prayer, I'm just telling you right now, welcome to God's family. Online, welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. I'd love to help you grow in that decision. If you text me the word, today, 63566, the word today, 63566, I'd love to follow up and help you grow grow in Christ. You can use this card right at your chair. Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> again, I'm telling you, the greatest concern I have as a pastor is I think so many people know about God, but they don't know him personally. You might be sitting here this morning like, my goodness, people kind of think I've been a long-term Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life. What's that all about? If I were to fill that out, listen, you ain't got nothing on Judas. Judas was a called disciple. Judas was in the room with all the miracles. He played the game, and he lost Jesus. Don't let that be your story. You want to talk about hell at a whole nother level? There's one hell for someone who's never believed in Jesus. There's another hell for folks who've showed up week after week after week and have had kind of the, the pretense, have had the appearance, they've had the Judas Iscariot presence, but they never let it change their life. Don't let that be your story. You can use this card. Maybe you've made a decision for Jesus, but like you never really got public, right? Over here, we got this baptismal pool, right? It's, it's, it's water. And the reason we go down under the water is because we're saying we're all in. I'm not going to just give Jesus something. I'm going to give him everything. Like I'm not going to just tip him. It's not just a dab will do. I'm over with of getting Jesus on sale, I'm all in. And I want my family and friends, uh, through the technology, I want the world to know that I'm all in. If you, haven't, if you haven't taken that kind of bold step, I want you to text the word baptism. That same number, 63566. Baptism, 63566. Next week, whatever week's best, we'll, we'll have baptism. Or you can just use this card. Got this card right here on your way out. Drop it at... Um, guest services and, and will help you continue to grow in your, in your faith. Now, 
we're coming to this moment of having communion. Let me just say this before I take any other steps. If by chance you, were, you came into the room and you don't have a communion cup, would you just hold your hand up like this? It's possible. And we've got friends in the back who are going to come. And uh, we've got some more baskets back there. Do we have some baskets back there, Kevin? You see it just sitting around there somewhere? And, uh, or Becky's, Becky's helping us out. It's kind of like being at home. Just raise your hand up if you, don't, if you don't have one. At home, right, you're, you're at home, you're getting some supplies. We're going to partake of communion together. Okay, while, while she's handing those, keep, keep, keep your hand up. I don't want anybody to miss. On this side? Anybody over here? Okay, so in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 11. Judas didn't have 1 Corinthians 11, but we do. And so I want to I wanna give you some space to walk in the opposite direction of Judas. I want you to practice understanding, seeing what Judas did was wrong, learning from him, and walking in the opposite direction. So look at 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to connect Matthew 26 now to 1 Corinthians 11. Where we just were for the last 30 minutes, I'm bringing you right here. The whole Bible is connected. Verse 23, For I received, this is the Apostle Paul, from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. We just saw that, Matthew 26. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever, you're one of those whoever's, I'm one of these whoever's, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Judas didn't have this. God right now is asking us to pause and to think and to consider. Look what it says in verse 28. So important. Everyone ought to examine themselves. In other words, you don't examine your spouse, your kids, your parents, the pastor, the politician. You examine yourself. Following Jesus is a solo relationship between you and him. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's what Judas did. Judas didn't consider Judas wasn't aware. Judas refused to be changed. And notice, that is why, verse 30, many amongst you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, have died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, not what they're doing, not what them said, not what she, he, me, But if we were more concerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So he gives gives this incredible gift. So let me walk us through it. First step. Right now, in the quietness of where you're sitting, the quietness of your home, 
Just say to the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, this has nothing to do with you because you don't believe in this. But if you're a believer, just say to the Holy Spirit, show me right now what I need to change. Where I'm not trusting God. Where I've sinned. What, just, and, and as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, just fess the mess up. I, what I love about Jesus is like, you ain't got to fix it. You just got to fess it. Fixing it is a whole lot harder than fessing it. He says, if you will confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whatever that is, just fess it up. Some of you need, and I know that sounds demonstrative, so forgive it if it's not for you. Some of you need to ask God to forgive you for following his son Jesus in a traditional way. See, Judas followed in a traditional way, a religious way. Some of you will look at this cracker and this juice in a traditional way. All right, check the box off. I did the tradition of communion. Following Jesus has nothing to do with tradition. That's what Judas thought, and it got him death. The Bible doesn't call us to follow Jesus in a traditional way. The Bible calls us to follow Jesus in a relational way. It's a relationship. Maybe right now that's what you need to say, God, I, I've been all about the tradition, and I quite frankly haven't had a close relationship. Forgive me. Right now, right now, you're just, we're doing that first part. It's that we ought to examine ourselves. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. But it starts when you examine. Okay? Ready to move on? Some of you are like, wait a second, PMC. My list is a little bit longer than yours. I need a little more time. Totally get it. Forgive it all, God. Okay, then he said two things. Two pieces of element. This first tab, the see-through tab, just pull that back. And we've got a piece of gourmet bread. I don't know what you're having at your house, but we're having gourmet bread this morning. God, forgive me for lying. Now, the first part of that meal, he wanted the boys to understand that his body was physically going to be broken. And so this little wafer, Bible doesn't say you have to do this. I do it to remind me. If you're at home with a piece of bread, I take it and I break it. It reminds me that his body was broken. It was whipped. It was violated. It was destroyed. It was tortured. It just reminds me on this Valentine's Day how much he loves me. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you and for you and for you and for you and for me. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then you can see there's a, a purple tab that you just get a hold of and pull it back. Be a little careful with the juice. So they have the meal. We've examined ourselves. We've recognized what happened on the cross that his body was broken. Now here, we all know this medically that if your blood becomes sick, 
you die. And he poured out his blood so that we who were sick of our sin could become healed through Jesus. On this day, the whole world changed. Before Jesus' resurrection, only one man had face-to-face contact with God. It was the high priest. Everybody else had to go through somebody. When Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, he said that night, this is the new covenant. This is the new promise. You don't have to go through a priest no more. You don't have to go through the pastor no more. You have instant access to God every moment of every day. There is no better news in all of the world. And so he said, take this and drink this in remembrance of me. Father in heaven, I love you. On this Valentine's Day, we praise you, Jesus, for the love and the hope that you've given us. No one has ever loved me. No one has ever loved human beings the way that you did with your life. I ask that each one of us individually, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us from the tips of our toes to the top of our head. That we would learn from Judas and we would walk in the opposite direction. Favor these men and women as they walk out this week and they trust you and they obey you. Use us to be a light into the darkness of the world in which we live. Use us in our lives to build a bridge that men and women and boys and girls and moms and dads and every race and every social economic status can walk across to discover that in you, Jesus, there's hope. We love you. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior, King Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peace.